0: Uh, One of the reasons I'm so excited today is that I get to have the same experience that you have here. I get to to join you uh, in the audience there. We have a guest speaker today. It's a Reverend Kusala Bhikshu. He's an American-born Buddhist monk of the Vietnamese lineage. He speaks to the wisdom, the truth, that was given to the world through the precepts of the Buddha. And it's something that we all share. If you are a student of the science of mind, uh, you know that Dr. Holmes himself said that science of mind was a compilation of the best that religion has to offer. So, you know, I'm kind of in the mood to know more about what religion's Ernest Holmes was talking about, aren't you? I know I am, and Buddhism certainly was one of them. Reverend Kusala is a very important presence, VIP. In the Los Angeles area, he works a lot with hospitals, schools, colleges, and other churches uh, doing his work, encouraging people to awaken and to walk a path of peace. So would you please welcome Reverend Kusala Bikshu?
1: today. I was warned about these lights. They are bright, but it's nice to be able to see you, sort of. Uh, you're sitting like Buddhists sit, alone together. Pardon?
0: I'm going to move your mic for you because you're scratching.
1: Am I scratching? Yeah, and I don't want you to be scratching. Okay.
0: Okay. Needs to be on the outside? Yeah. Is that better? Okay. How does that
1: work? One, two, three, four. Oh, we yeah. are? Is that picking up? At all?
0: No, not at all. Okay. Yes? No. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> how about that?
1: Is that better? Yes. Okay. So I, I brought my ukulele today. Um, and, and the reason I did that is because a couple years ago I got a book on the history of the ukulele. So I bought one, and then I went on YouTube to find all the Buddhist ukulele songs they had. <laughs> and unfortunately, there weren't any at all. So I decided to make my own Buddhist ukulele song. And, and, but I had to borrow, so I borrowed from Christianity. So, so the tune may sound familiar, but the words were changed. And it sort of goes like this. Spin well, sweet Dharma wheel, coming for to wake me up. Spin well, sweet Dharma wheel, coming for to wake me up. Well, I sat down to meditate, and meditating, what did I see? Coming for to wake me up. Band of Buddhas coming after me, coming for to wake me up. Spin well. Sweet dharma a wheel Coming for to wake me up Spin well Sweet dharma a wheel Coming for to wake me up Well, if you wake up before I do Coming for to wake me up Tell my friends that I'm awakened too Coming for to wake me up Spin well Sweet dharma a wheel Coming for to wake me up, spin well, sweet dharma wheel. Coming for to wake me up, coming for to wake me up. All right. Thank you very much. This is a really important month in Buddhism, May. The historical Buddha was born on the full moon day of May, which turns out to be May 25th this year. But today, more importantly, I'm going to talk about some of the important women in Buddhism who just turned out to be mothers as well. Now, the Buddha just didn't show up. The Buddha had to have a mom, and her name was Queen Maya and the king and queen Maya had been married for 19 years, and she had borne no children for him. One night, she was sleeping, and she had a dream. And in this dream, there was a white elephant that had six tusks, and it circumambulated her and went into her side. And she woke up the next morning and realized something was different. She was with child, and 10 months later, it took a little longer, 2,600 years ago, (laughs) 10 months later, she bore her first child, named it Siddhartha. As was the custom back then, she was going to her parents' house, and her, her mom and Other women were going to help her have her child. But she decided to stop along the way in a sala grove and enjoy the day. As it turned out, she grabbed one of the branches and the historical Buddha was born out of her side. Touched the ground and took seven steps. We celebrate that today, those seven steps. And he announced to the world that he was either going to be a ruler of the earth Or a spiritual leader. At that time nobody knew which one he would be. Now you may say to yourself, well that doesn't sound like a a true story, but you know every story in the context of the story is true. So seven days after his birth Queen Maya passed away, but she went immediately to heaven, and is still there today. Her sister, who just happened to be married to the king as well, took over raising Siddhartha, and raised him to be a fine, upstanding man. At the age of 16, they decided it was time for him to be married. So they found a cousin, Yashodara, And they were wed. At the age of 19, the story goes, the Buddha went into the city streets. And he saw four things that forever changed his life. He saw an old person. He saw a sick person. He saw a dead person. And he saw a holy person. He hadn't thought about getting sick. He hadn't thought about getting old. He hadn't thought about dying but it seems every human that's born on this earth will have to face those three things eventually. Now, once a month I go to Leisure World in Seal Beach. They have 9,000 old people there. I was a little hesitant about going, but you know, they turned out to be me. I looked around and I said, you all look familiar. We were all born around the same time. We all know who the Rolling Stones are. We were there when they came out. How cool is that? And one of the big questions they have as I give my Dharma talk is, is how do you die well? How do you die well? When we get sick, we are oftentimes put into a hospital. All of us will ultimately be sick. None of us get out of this place alive without being sick. And and just a few weeks ago, I was in the hospital, emergency surgery. I had a cat bite. I was giving one of my cats a bath, and it bit me. And I said, wow, look at this finger. It's twice the size that it used to be. They said, no, you're going to have to come to the hospital. Cat bites are the worst bites you can get. I said, well, it's just a cat bite. The orthopedic surgeon came into the room, took a look at my finger and said, you're going to need an operation tonight. Tonight, you have to come back. You're going to go into the hospital. I'm in the hospital. I'm stripped naked, given this little thing to cover my body with. My finger was throbbing. I said, do I have to be naked to have my finger worked on? (laughs) Yes, you do. I said to the surgeon, you know, I've been meditating for over 30 years now. I am very concerned about the clarity of my consciousness. Can you just give me a local and a bottle of whiskey? We'll do it that way. (laughs) No, I'm sorry, sir. We're going to have to put you under. We're going to be opening up that finger. I said, okay. So 36 hours later, I emerged from the hospital with a wrapped finger No more bacteria, no more infection. Who would have thought that was going to happen from a cat? Getting sick, getting old, and ultimately letting go of this life, this body of ours. So here we have this historical figure called Siddhartha Gautama who became a Buddha because of these four signs, It said, that stimulated him in a very special way. And at the age of 29, he left his wife, Yeshodara and his newborn son and went into the jungles and forests of India to see if there was an answer to suffering. Do humans have to suffer? Is there a way out? He petitioned all the gods of India to step forward and end human suffering. Not one of them did, or could. He said, I guess I'm going to have to do it myself. I guess I'm going to have to figure out why we as humans suffer and is there an answer to our suffering. And at the age of 35, he achieved his perfection as a human being. He became the Buddha, one who is awake. One who never has to be reborn again and recycle through old age, sickness and death. One who has ended their suffering forever. And for 45 years, he taught the path to the end of suffering. And that's what we honor in May. And this year, May 25th. But now you might be curious about his stepmother, Maha Prajapati. What happened to her? She raised the historical Buddha. Well, as it turns out, her husband, the king, died. Her son had become the Buddha. She didn't have a man in her life. Now, in 2013, that may not be such a big issue, but 2,600 years ago, if you didn't have a man in your life, you were pretty much doomed. So she came up with this idea, I'm going to become a nun. And she went to the historical Buddha and said, I raised you, I no longer have any way to support myself, I want to be a nun, I want to be a follower of the truth. He said, I'm sorry, but I can't ordain you. There are no women right now in this time or place that have that authority, that are ordained. My teachings are too important to the world. I'm sorry, I can't ordain you. That didn't stop her, though, because at the next village, the Buddha was giving a talk, and she approached him again and said, I need to be ordained. I want to have meaning in my life. I raised you. I took care of you. Can you take care of me now? He said, I'm sorry. My teachings are too important. I can't make you a nun. It might jeopardize the Dharma in the world right now. So she went to Ananda, his cousin and right-hand monk, said, Ananda, I've got a real big problem here. I need to be ordained, and and the Buddha won't do it. Can you help me? Ananda said, yes, I can help you. So in the next village, she had shaved her head. She had put on a robe. She had 499 other women with her with shaved heads and robes, and they went to the village to listen to the teachings of the Buddha. And Ananda approached the Buddha, and said pretty much the same thing she had said. Why can't you ordain her? And he went through, well, because... And then Ananda got smart. He was a clever monk. And he said to the Buddha, can a woman achieve nirvana? Can a woman achieve enlightenment? And the Buddha said, well, of course. Why then can't they be ordained? And the Buddha had nothing to come back with. He said, okay. So his stepmother became the first Buddhist nun, and she achieved nirvana. But now we have one more woman in the Buddha's life, and that was Yashodara. That was his wife that he had left. Some people think of the Buddha as a deadbeat dad. How could you leave your wife and newborn child, even if it was in the care of his parents in the palace? The Buddha was giving a talk in the village and said to her son, Rahula, the Buddha's son, Rahula, Go and ask your dad for your inheritance. He was very wealthy at one time, he was a prince. He owes you an inheritance. So little Rahula went up to the Buddha, his dad, and said, Dad, can I have my inheritance? Mom said, I should get a really big inheritance because you used to be a prince. And the Buddha said, well, of course. And he ordained him as a monk. And now Yashodara had lost her husband and lost her son. And the Buddha said, I'm going to ordain you as a nun. So she became a nun, and she achieved nirvana. And Rahula became a very famous monk, and he achieved nirvana. And today, you can go online and buy a book called the Terigata. The Terigata are the poems of the ancient Buddhist nuns that have been saved. It's an amazing read to listen to these women tell their tale about being ordained and being a monastic in the time of the Buddha. So here we have 2013 and we have a bunch of Buddhists and they're all practicing meditation, sitting quietly like frogs on a rock, waiting to become enlightened. And you sort of say to yourself, gosh, does it still work? Can I really end suffering in this lifetime? You know, there's so many reasons to suffer. Getting sick, getting old, dying, not having what you want, always getting what you don't want. Whoa. And it still works today. There are Buddhist monks and nuns all around this planet who are teaching what the Buddha taught. The Buddha was not divine. He was not inspired by a divine being. The Buddha was inspired by human suffering. And he found a practical answer to that suffering. And we call that nirvana. Nirvana is the end of suffering, the end of all future rebirth. The end of getting old, getting sick, and dying. So that's what we celebrate in May. Along with the women that were important in his life. And turns out to be important in our life. Now I'm going to stop there. Because I think that's enough for one teaching. But I brought something with me today. I I, I brought my harmonica today. And I thought it would be really nice to end with a little blues. You know? Because what other kind of music would a Buddhist play? You know? We're always talking about suffering. But in order to play the blues, you really got to look like a blues guy. So... So here's a little blues in the key of G. here.